With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles and Jeff Essery. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I'm Jeff Essery. And I am Joe Rowles. We are now T-minus, what, 21 days away from the draft? Yeah, Uh, yeah, I got that right. No, 22. Well, yeah, when this comes out, it'll be 21 days away from the draft on April 29th. Um, So that's what's everyone, everybody's minds after all the free agency kind of has died down. Obviously, there's still some signings happening. We were just talking right before the A.J. Boyer, the you know, former corner from Denver last year. He just signed with the Panthers, so still moves happening here and there, but really everybody's looking towards the draft, and that's what everybody's talking about. So that's what we're going to talk about probably for the next couple weeks, right? Because of the lack of combine, I feel like I've been talking about draft without like a lot of updates for months now, and I, I kind of have. And it's it's at this point where, like, and again, I'm super, super stoked for the draft as I am every year. But it's like, just like, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. Um, so the Shamar Steven signing yesterday was kind of like a nice change in terms of like, hey, something happened. Um, I we again, we were just talking about this right before, uh, and I know I tweeted about this. So if you haven't seen that, like, or if you have seen that, you already know this. He's probably fighting to be like the fifth or sixth defensive lineman. And again, I'm not trying to hate on this. Odds are if everybody else stays healthy, he's probably going to be inactive for a lot. 
of the games. Like, and again, like if he comes in, I would rather him come in than like the seventh round draft pick from this class. So like, it's definitely a good signing, but like, it's not a, like a life altering type of decision for the Broncos. Probably that's all. That's all I'm trying to say is temp- temper expectations a little bit. Everybody that's all. Yeah. And that's the kind of signings you expect at this, at this yeah. level, I think right before the draft you're you're shoring up pieces of the roster just in case and mm-hmm. give you some flexibility and, and, and additional depth. And so that's, it's kind of what the move is. And there's obviously the familiarity because he came from the Vikings um, with George Payton. And so, yeah, I mean, every, I, everybody does that, right. They bring in guys that they know that are solid guys to fill up the roster. And I, and I, again, to be clear, I love the signing because, and I, and I, I think I've told you this before, like this defensive tackle class is cheeks. Like it's garbage. Like, like there's a couple guys and then there's some promising like sleepers maybe, but like compared to the last like three years that like we've been doing this, like this is the weakest defensive tackle class that I have like looked into. Uh, so much so that like Jim Nagy was tweeting today that uh, Christian Barmore is going to probably go in the top 15. And again, like he, he's probably the one prospect I have watched that gives you like that freaky kind of like planet theory type guy where He's like a 300 pounder who actually moves like a 250 pounder. But at the same time, like Alabama took him off of the field on rundowns. Like they tried to protect him. And so he's still developing, still raw. Like there's a big risk factor with him, but this is a weak defensive line class. So if you're desperate for defensive linemen, you're kind of grasping at straws. And that's why I really like the Steven signing. I liked Shelby Harris. I like Mike Purcell. Like the moves that Peyton has made to make sure that defensive line is not really a need at all was the way to go. And it was a smart decision. Yeah. I mean, there's not a Javon Kinlaw or something like that mm-hmm. last year. Who's just kind of a, a freak. Who's going to be a, a top tier defensive tackle. I mean, you look across it. Um, I mean, I know mock drafts aren't everything, but you look at Daniel Jeremiah, who I respect a ton in the business um, and his, his mock draft that recently just came out and there, he has no interior defenders going in the first round at all. Yep. Um, like you said, some have, have one guy going in the in the top um, top round, and so now there are some edge guys that are that are going, but you know, interior defensive line, it's not a good year to need that. And so for Denver, I mean, you you've got the two young guys that you're hoping will develop in Draymond Jones and McTelvin Aguim, and then obviously you've got Shelby Harris and Mike Purcell as well to fill out the roster. So uh, you know, you're you're pretty pretty nicely set as long as injuries don't hit, you know, I mean, you could take a guy if you wanted to take a flyer on somebody, but you know, there's a lot of flexibility. Yeah. And that's, that's what I really liked about all of it. Like everything they did in free agency, I feel like set that up where basically they brought everyone back to the point where there isn't a pressing need at any position, except for one barring your faith in Drew Locke. Um, and again, like I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, like, throw all this hate on him but like if you believe in drew lock you don't think the broncos have a, a pressing need right now really um if you don't believe in drew lock you think like they're definitely going quarterback because they haven't done anything at quarterback yet um which kind of gets us to what i wanted to talk to you about today um and honestly it's been something like we we've now made it through like the bulk of like pro days uh there's a medical check that's going to be happening today like as you guys are listening to this um like the recheck so, like, for Caleb Barley, Jalen Phillips, guys like that, it's going to be a big deal for them because while the athletic numbers are, like, the sexy part of the eval, like, the medical checks are actually what teams care about most. Yeah, particularly for a guy like Farley. Yeah. Um, but, like, with that, like, in the air, we, we have a pretty strong idea of kind of, like, who, 
not a strong idea, but we have a better idea of who's going where at this point. Not even just beyond mocks, but just like we know for a fact at this point, like Trevor Lawrence is going to be going first overall. Like Urban Meyer has said it. Um, but so with that in mind, I thought it was a good time to like kind of look at like the board, like the top eight picks before Bron- the Broncos, and kind of look at like, are we just kidding ourselves, hoping that Zach Wilson's going to fall to nine? Yes, yes, we are. But but I wanted to I wanted to kind of go through. I knew the answer that, but yes, we are. But I but I kind of wanted to go through the the picks above Denver because if George Payne doesn't trade up and just plays the waiting game, there's going to be prospects that the Broncos know they are not going to have a chance at. Um, and we did this last year, and that's why you and I both were really really on board the Jerry Judy pick early, because it looked like Jerry Judy could definitely fall to fifteen, and he did. So, um, so we yeah, just got, I, go ahead. Sorry. I think that's what is cool about where we're at in the process right now. And well, just the amount of quarterbacks too, because you know, the quarterbacks are going to find a way to probably sneak up into the top and, um, you can kind of start to project there, you know, Denver sitting at nine and there's at least, let's say 10 guys that you'd be okay with them falling to Denver, right? And I don't, I'm not saying there's there's 10 exactly, but that you know you can start to do that math of there will be a good player for Denver. This year, I'm less confident in that just because of some of the guys that are those blue chip players fit the fit a um, like are less of a need for Denver. And so you've got, you know, a couple blue chip receivers that they may be available by Denver's pick that, you know, I, I don't know that Denver's already spent a lot of draft capital last year on, on receivers. And so I don't think they're going to go that direction. I think most of the guys will be off the board, but that would be one scenario that's a little bit tougher mm-hmm. is they're a blue chip player, but they don't really fit the, you know, your need. They're not going to get a lot of playing time. So in that instance, you know, maybe you find a team that really wants a guy like that and you trade back. But I think there is, we are able to maybe kind of map out like, there will be somebody for Denver at 10 or excuse me at nine um, because there's at least 10, you know, guys that are in that blue chip uh, range that I would feel okay with them taking. Yep. Um, And that's a, well, I'll touch on that in a minute because that's actually like what I would say is the nightmare scenario is five quarterbacks go in the top, top eight, uh, both, both uh, Slater and Sewell go in the top eight. And then the Bronco, and then like let's say Patrick Sertan goes somewhere in the top eight. So at that point, all of a sudden you're left with all the receivers, no quarterback. So you're probably going to have a hard time trading down, and you don't have a tackle. So at that point, you're probably taking either the second corner, Michael Parsons. Like, yeah, we'll get to this in a second. But yeah, that is kind of my nightmare scenario because because the Broncos drafted two receivers highly last year, and they have Cortland Sutton. There's basically no spot on the roster to fit a highly drafted receiver into the lineup. Um, and, and again, we'll get to that, but that's, I agree that that's kind of like my fear going into this is that that is what's going to happen. Uh, but we know Jacksonville, Jacksonville is almost definitely going Trevor Lawrence. Uh, urban Meyer was on with Peter King from NBC. I want to say on Sunday night, like we saw it on Sunday night. He recorded before that basically said like, I'm waiting for the owner to announce it. But like, they basically were like, yeah, we're going with Trevor Lawrence. Um, the thing with New York and New York is kind of interesting because like they haven't come out and said they're taking Zach Wilson, but but the, the Niners trade happened at like during like the BYU pro day, like that happened. Like those things are related because 
everybody came to BYU's pro day to see Zach Wilson. And then it, I don't think it was a coincidence that the Niners decided that they were going to trade up. The Eagles decided that they were going to trade down. And Ian Rappaport, who's as plugged in as anyone in the league, had a tweet that he then deleted that was basically saying the Eagles tried to trade, would have traded up to, to try and get to three if they thought Zach Wilson was going to be there. But since they realized Zach Wilson was not going to be there at all, they traded out altogether because they're just going to go with Jalen Hurts. He was the quarterback they would have given up on Hurts for. Yeah, and I think the other reports that came out too that said the 49ers called all up and down the board in the top five and the Jets weren't interested. And I mean, I think everybody has different levels of evaluations of these guys, but I think if there was one guy outside of Trevor Lawrence that would give that kind of reaction for the Jets, to me, it's a guy like Zach Wilson, even though I think, you know, Justin Fields is talented. I think Trey Lance is talented. Um, I think Wilson is the guy that you don't take calls for, right? If, if you're that locked in on it, which it seems like they are, obviously they traded Sam Darnold. And so they, they're going to take a quarterback. It's just a matter of who they're going to take. And so, and I think it was, Daniel Jeremiah or one of the other guys as well said, you know, essentially now the draft starts at, at pick three. Yep. With the Niners. Like they're, and, they're pretty much locked in. And there, there was a kind of, there was a report coming out. And again, this is on Wednesday um, that the, the jets have not actually fielded a lot of calls. Like teams have not called them much about two, which I think is interesting. First of all, because like a, like most teams probably just figure like, what's the point? They're not trading down to 19. Like they're going to take a quarterback. So like, I'm not going to give them a quarterback in like six drafts to get up to two. So the only teams that would really probably be calling them are other teams that are in that quarterback range. And even then, like most of them aren't going to be that interested and the jets aren't going to probably take them that seriously because they're probably not moving very far. If anything, um, the one thing that makes me think is that they might be open to another prospect, like kind of like the Niners. I think the Niners trading up to three was basically like, if Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, or blank falls to us, we're happy. Um, to me, the fact that the like that report came out by the Jets might hint that they might be considering two prospects, but I really doubt it. Um, I would say the one curveball prospect in this is probably Justin Fields just because we don't know as much. And then like, also like there's an outside possibility of Trey Lance, but I don't see it because Trey Lance, everybody. And again, I believe this too. Like Trey Lance is going to probably need a little bit of time to adjust to the league. So like for the jets to trade Darnold kind of signals to me, like maybe Mac Jones and they just throw him out there. Maybe Zach Wilson, maybe fields. It's probably not Lance. I would guess it's Zach Wilson. So like, but just as a curveball, like one of those prospects could be a real big surprise, but don't count on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the surprise, if there is a surprise, it's going to be the Niners three. Yeah. And, and it depends on where you, you know, where you think they're leaning. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, they could go with any of them. Um, it's interesting that the amount of draft capital that they traded up to get whoever it would be. Right. And so you, you got to think that they're, they're pretty confident in whoever it is. And, um, I mean, Kyle Shanahan is such a good coach that I think he could make any of these guys fit. And so that's why it's a little bit challenging of, like, I could see all three of them fitting into the system. I think Mac Jones has the, probably the easiest on-ramp into Shanahan's offense, 
But I think a guy like Lance or even Justin Fields, like you could get really creative with them and, could, you know, really superpower, you know, supercharge Kyle Shanahan's offense. And so it'll be interesting to see which direction they go. I think a lot of people are feeling like they're going to lean Mac Jones. Yeah. And I know Adam Schefter reported it uh, a couple days ago. And I know Chris Sims did and a bunch of other people like, Daniel Jeremiah went on the athletics football show. I want to say last week and said that the league thinks they're going Mac Jones. So like they very well could be. And the thing with Mac Jones, and again, like we keep like draft Twitter. And again, I'm part of this too. I make a lot of jokes about McCorkle Jones. Uh, But the thing is like, if you know how to maximize what he does well, he does actually bring quite a few strengths to the table. So like, I get it. I, I wouldn't want him at three. Um, but the thing is, if the Niners think they're like a valuable backup quarterback away from a Super Bowl, like Mac Jones is probably more accurate than Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you can kind of like bridge him along early and kind of get him ramped up to like the complexity of the NFL, if and when Garoppolo gets hurt, because he gets hurt a lot, you have a guy who can step in and probably keep the ship rolling. Um, that said, like you, I do think that it would be to their advantage to bring in a Lance or, uh, fields just because their running ability is going to not only help them, but it actually will probably open up the running game. And the fact that Kyle Shanahan's offense is built around the threat of the running game, like both of those players to me brings their offense to another level of date. Like it makes it more dangerous. Um, and I just think back to like the RG three era, like RG three's rookie year. What made him so special is the fact that like they revolutionized how to use the pistol in the zone read at the time. Like everyone was starting to do it a little bit, but like the way they did it, it was, it was damn near unstoppable. Yeah. It would be interesting to see, you know, what they would do if they brought in a guy like that, like Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Um, But I do think the, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the 49ers want to do. If they're going to keep Garoppolo, you know, I I feel like you keep Garoppolo you kind of have to go Mac Jones if you're if you're expecting him to jump in at any point during the season, like if you're going to bridge it, because they're a lot more similar and you're not changing your offense midway through the season, you know. Um, and so that'll be interesting, even though I do think Mac Jones probably is the most equipped to just step in right away if they did get rid of Garoppolo. So I think maybe Jones give them, gives them the most flexibility too to potentially get rid of Garoppolo before the season or – ride with him as long as they can and then swap them midway through. I'm not saying that's the same player, but they're, there's a lot there. feel like they would be more interchangeable in the offense than having to redesign it for a guy like Lance or fields. And so the one thing for me that really kind of tells me, well, there's, there's two parts of it. One of them is a lot is really leaning into speculation. Um, the fact that the Niners traded above the Falcons to me is a sign that they're looking at Lance because my understanding has been that the Falcons were quite interested in Lance. And the fact that the, the Falcons restructured Matt Ryan's contract essentially locks him to their roster until 2023 because they're so caps, like they're so stuck on the cap that it's going to be almost impossible to cut Matt Ryan, like without crippling their whole team now. Um, and granted, like they get more cap room next year, but they also have to resign players. Like right now they have let, they have less than $4 million in cap room and they only have 52 players under contract. Like, they weren't able to sign a running. They had to sign Mike Davis as their starting running back right now because they don't have the money to, to go out and get another guy. Um, but the other, the other part of it for me, and again, I'm, I can talk myself into and out of this, but the fact that the Panthers have like since traded for Sam Darnold, 
the Panthers essentially have a Mac Jones-esque type of quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. And they've been working really hard to try and upgrade on him with Matt Stafford. They, they were in on those trades. They were really, really interested in Deshaun Watson before like all the allegations of sexual misconduct came out. Um, so like they, they, they don't strike me as a team that was looking at Mac Jones if he fell. So the fact that they're essentially trading for Sam Darnold before the draft to me kind of si- signals that whoever they thought they liked, they don't believe they're gonna, that guy's going to be there at eight. And that to me is kind of a hint at the Niners. Um, but again, I could be wrong. Like it could be another team too. Um, but that's, I believe it's Trey Lance. Um, the fact that they're going to see Justin Fields at his second pro day means that you can't rule it out now. Like you definitely can't. And that they, they did go to Mac Jones pro day. So like they, they're showing interest in all three yeah. and, and they might just be doing their due diligence to kind of cross check. Cause again, this is a franchise defining move. They traded three first round picks. Yeah. And so like for one thing's for sure, as we know, it's going to be a quarterback, right? Yes. So without you're a gonna doubt. Have three- you're going to have three quarterbacks going in the top three. And so I don't know. I'm curious on your thoughts. Like, does it matter who they pick for the rest of the, like. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Depending on who they pick, does that give yes. one of the other two guys a shot at falling a little bit further, potentially? I th- I think so. I believe the Falcons. If Trey Lance falls to four, they're going to take him, um, because for him it's like an ideal situation. You sit behind Matt Ryan, unless Matt Ryan falls off a cliff or gets hurt, Trey Lance is probably not going to play that first year. And if you're Arthur Smith, like the fact that Trey Lance is like such a running threat, and then the fact that he's coming from an offense that like really dialed into a lot of the stuff that you want to do, like. It's a, it's a pretty clean fit if they feel that they can help his accuracy. Um, and I think if Trey Lance is not there, like if Trey Lance goes three or two, you know, or two, um, I think the Falcons will either take a guy that they can, that can help them immediately, like Kyle Pitts or, and this is a dark horse type thing, Najee Harris. Um, or I think they're going to trade back because again, like they, they need players. Like they don't have the money. They didn't have the money. Terry Fontenot didn't have the money to upgrade the roster as like most first year GMs do because he stepped into such a capped out situation right from the go. So that'll be interesting to see. I mean, to me, like, I know we talked to 49ers, but to me, the Falcons are probably one of the more interesting teams. I agree. In this top 10 because of the, like where they go kind of pivots the whole draft, right. Or the, the draft below them of if they pick a quarterback, now there's all of a sudden a run on whoever that last guy is, you know? And so if you're Denver, you're probably going to need to go up and I mean, the Panthers now have picked, have, have a quarterback. You don't think they're going to go quarterback. I don't know about the dolphins. Um, I mean, you're, you're maybe going to have to get above the lions just in case yep. if you really felt like you wanted to, to lock in a quarterback. So yeah, it will be interesting to see. I mean, if, if the 49ers, obviously they're going to go quarterback, but depending on who they pick, if another quarterback goes to the Falcons, you could see a little bit of a scramble or Denver may just, you know, take whoever drops out afterwards and just kind of resign to not getting a quarterback. 
if if he if a quarterback was even on the table, right? Like we haven't even. I mean, they've been doing their due diligence. It feels like, but I, at least I haven't gotten a a good enough feeling for what Denver's thinking in the first round. My and again, like my my entire feeling because I've I've read over George Payton's like press conference quotes, and again, like you can you can convince yourself of anything because he he left every door open with them. But my my belief is that. The Broncos, if they feel like they have to roll into like like Drew Locke is their their fallback option. They already have him on the roster. So like unlike the Panthers, they didn't have to go and acquire a guy that they feel comfortable with. Um they want I think they want to upgrade on him, but they're not gonna be stupid and give away the draft to do it. So I think it's a pretty good chance that the Broncos just sit at nine and see what happens. Like that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. Because like watching how George Payton played the safety market, like he, he took a hard stance on Kareem Jackson's contract, didn't pick it up, and said if, if Kareem Jackson leaves, we'll get another safety. I think they're going to try and play this, the quarterback market the same way. It's his first year. He doesn't have to go get a guy right now because if they're stuck with Locke, they're stuck with Locke. But if, if a guy falls to them that they want, that's what they'll do. That's that's my belief. Yeah, I, and I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think in um, the positive, like the – the sunny side view of that is that they're comfortable enough with Locke, yeah. right? That they that you could roll with the season and not be a lost season. And because you still have enough to, you know, potentially see more out of him or you're comfortable enough that you could roll with through Locke as quarterback and um, not feel like you have to take a guy. Yeah. So, it, you know, I, but I do think that they're open to, to taking somebody if they do sit at nine, but I think the, given what you just said about George Payton, and, and I agree, it's his first year. I think sitting at like given where they're at and who they'll that probably will be available to them, like you're going to have probably a blue chip talent available to you at nine. Hopefully, depending on the way things shake out, I think the, they probably will end up just sitting tight at nine. I well, then like Payton has been on record as saying like he wants more capital, not necessarily he doesn't want to necessarily give it away. And you look at the Vikings like draft history over the, you know, again, they did everything in the draft. Like they've gone up, they've gone down, they've stayed put. So like you can't read too much into like their history with this. But I do think that at the end of the day, like he's an evaluator. He's going to want the picks. Like he doesn't want to get three first round picks unless he loves a guy. And granted, they might do it, but but I don't think we've gotten any indication that that's where they're at. They're just doing due diligence and going to play it however it goes. Um. Yeah. Really, when you're, I mean, where Denver's sitting, like it's just not the most strategic move at this point after the 49ers have gone up and done the move at three. Like at this point, you're you're moving up at best for the fourth best court, not fourth best, the fourth picked quarterback, right? Because, you know, the fourth best, fourth, the fourth pick could end up being the fourth best, right? But yeah. you're, you're going up for the fourth guy. But I'm I'm glad you said this because like this is like and again like I don't want to derail our conversation too far and I'm going to probably so I apologize. It's become a really popular talking point to say that and again like not how you said it but just say why would you go and get the quarterback he's QB four and then like and I know Joe Mahoney looked at this and again like you look at past drafts QB four tends to be a pretty shaky spot because most drafts don't have four good quarterbacks, like just straight up. And again, I'm not guaranteeing that this draft has five good quarterbacks. That said, the guys that I, and again, I, I consume way too much draft information at this point. Um, but the guys that I respect that I, I spent a lot of time paying attention to like Dane Brugler, 
um, Jordan Reed, like like the guys that really study quarterbacks, really know quarterbacks. This is an atypical class in terms of prospects um, because Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Tre- Trevor Lawrence, in any draft where like they're not all three together, they're probably fighting it out to be the first pick or like one of the two or three first picks. Like the questions about Justin Fields, like we'll get to that in a second. But like, but those three prospects all look, at least on film, like first overall type players. And then Trey Lance or Mac Jones, like Mac Jones is the whole thing. But like Trey Lance is like usually in a normal draft class, he's a first round guy that is a little risky, but you talk yourself into. Blake Bortles went number two overall, yes. right? So, and again, like I'm not saying that these guys are all going to hit, like same thing with like Bortles, but like they look as good as any prospect in like the last couple classes is, is, is how I would explain it. And so for that reason, that's why we could very well see quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, and then probably six or seven. Um, because these, these quarterback, that, and the fact that teams are getting, getting wise to the fact that rookie quarterback contracts, it's a cheat code. If that guy hits, you're, you're playing with extra money. Yeah. And, and I say that not to I know. Like, say automatically, no, I, and I know you were saying that, but just to clarify for, for folks too, like I say that not to say that, you know, oh, that guy's guaranteed to be the fourth best, fourth worst quarter. That's why I said the fourth picked, right? Not the fourth best because statistics would tell you though out of these five you're probably going to get three at best right and realistically it's probably two and and the majority of that is is even less on prospects it's probably where they fall like i mean there's a good chance that trevor lawrence doesn't pan out because of the organization he falls to you know um i'm not i'm not hoping that would happen because i really want him to be successful and think no matter who it's with even though i'm not a fan of jacksonville um I hope he's successful just because I think he's a good player and I like to see good players succeed. And so you want all of them to be successful, but statistically you're probably going to have a couple busts or, and I put that in quotes or guys that just don't pan out out of this draft class. And so I think you really have to like, you know, really be in love with the guy to be able to trade as much draft capital as you would need to. And so somebody like the 49ers, like they must clearly know that they're, that they're comfortable and in love enough with at least two of the guys that they'll, you know, that they'll get. Mm-hmm. And if you're Denver, I mean, if they're there and you think you can get them, well, sure you could move up and, and, and use the picks. But I think at this point, like not knowing where you're, they're going to fall and knowing that you're really not going to have your choice of guys. Yep. I think, I think that's why it makes the trading up a lot less likely because that's a lot of draft capital to pay for a guy that you may not have chosen as your first choice. Right. And that's, that's kind of my point with it. No. And and that's why if the Broncos do trade up and again, I don't think they're going to, but if the Broncos do trade up, it won't be until we know what the Niners are doing. Yeah. Um, Because for that to happen, like for the, for the Broncos to trade up, either they would have to be comfortable with three quarterbacks that aren't Trevor Lawrence or so confident that whoever is going one, two, three is not their guy. And you don't, you don't do that. That's ri- you don't, like, you don't go- roll the dice on that as George Payton as a new, that's a reckless, new- not aggressive. Like that's stupid. Like you don't do that until you know what you're doing. Um, but let's, let's move to the Bengals just cause like, I, I do want to talk about like the actual prospects that I think are going to fall. I think the I am almost positive that the Bengals are going to March Chase. I feel really, really confident that that's what they're going to do. Based around the fact that they signed Riley Reef, um, which kind of lessens their immediate need for a tackle. And I know like 
Bengals fans, a lot of them want Penny Sewell. The fact that they signed Riley Reef doesn't necessarily like get rid of that possibility, but the fact that like Duke uh, Duke Tobin came out and basically said that they don't want to trade down or be greedy in a trade down, and like the way it was framed. Let, let me see. We feel we're in a good spot. We're going to be careful not to be overly greedy and get out of a spot where we maybe lose a premier player and we feel like can get one of the premier players in this draft. We feel there are enough guys with the fifth pick in the draft to get a real guy that we'll feel comfortable and hits in a position of need. And then he referred to Kyle Pitts, Penny Sewell, and Jamar Chase as all being that type of player. Um, and and the that was is, one of those three, right? Like that's yeah, where – Oh, yeah. He's totally right. Like where they're sitting in the draft, they know three quarterbacks are going to go before them. And so they're going to get one of those two guys or one of those three guys are going to be available to them. Yep. And I, and again, I personally think it's going to be Jamar Chase just because Jamar, like, like since the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow, like if you go back to last year, I, and I think we talked about this, like remember Joe Burrow at one point, like there was a bunch of drama about the fact that like he didn't necessarily believe in the Bengals, like committing to winning and all that stuff. And then the Bengals turned around and like they franchise tag AJ Green. They spent a bunch of money when they never spend money in free agency. And like I feel like this draft is an extension of that, where they're gonna try and make Joe Burrow happy because they he's their franchise. And while I think that Jamar Chase is close enough in talent to like the other top receivers in this class, Chase is the only one that actually played with Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, the connection is too strong, and he makes a lot of sense, right? And he brings an added dimension. I mean, he ran a four three eight, and I know it's pro day times, right? But he ran he ran a four three eight, and he brings that. Um, being a, a guy like Chase could give an added dimension to your offense. Well, and the other thing, yeah, agree exactly. That's because the thing is, like, they have T Higgins, and then they have Tyler Boyd, and both of the like again, like their receiving core is better than like. It looks from the outside, but T Higgins is ideally like an X receiver who, who's a jump ball guy. Um, Tyler Boyd is a pretty darn good slot receiver, but he's a slot receiver. Like he's, you don't want him being the guy that like, he's not your number one. Jamar Chase could be your number one and he could play the X or the Z. So like, he's going to be a boundary threat. And again, like I, I just, it, it makes too much sense to me. Um, I think Kyle, uh, Kyle Pitts and Penny Sewell also obviously makes sense. They talked about them. But I think one of those three goes there. I think it's going to be Chase. Um, but I think you know if they were set on receiver talent, like you really can't go wrong, even with a guy like Waddle or Devonta Smith. You know, like both of those guys have you know are super talented. So the Bengals really are in a good spot to are. get a guy that that's going to come in and make an instant impact for them. And so I think Chase is probably the least not. Out, out of Pitts or Chase, I think Chase is probably the more sure bet to come in and you know make an instant impact in their offense just because of his chemistry with Joe Burrow as well. And then, and I think the fact that the Bengals are almost definitely not going to trade down or not going to trade very far was probably a part of the reason why Miami actually traded back up to six. And again, this is like a tin foil hat type thing, so bear with me a little bit. But if you're the Dolphins and you know quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three. You know the Bengals are not going to go quarterback. And then you know the Falcons might go quarterback, but they might do something else. There's a pretty darn good chance that QB4 actually falls into your lap at six. And while I we can't rule out the fact that they might end up pat, like taking a quarterback after the whole thing with Tua last year, and again, I don't think they will, but like you can't rule it out. 
But what it really does for Miami, and Chris Greer is like collecting first round picks like no one else, like in modern NFL history. Like I can't remember anyone ever doing this. Being at six allows him to play gatekeeper. Um, if anyone wants to trade up to get QB four, like let's say Justin Fields or Trey Lance is starting to slide. If you're Denver and you want to move up, Miami looks like a pretty good trade partner. And if you're Miami, you can get a first round pick and another pick, probably. Yeah. Um, the other thing Miami is in position to do is there's been speculation since free agency, and honestly since before free agency, that Bill Belichick wants a quarterback. Miami is not going to trade with Bill Belichick. And so they're locked out of the QB party unless they just want to try and trade up to seven. Yeah. And if not, I mean, if neither of those scenarios, well, I mean, you know, the walking the Patriots out is just something that's that happened, right? But the even if they don't trade back, you've now positioned yourself to get one of the blue chip yes. pass catchers, potentially, that would probably all be gone at 12, right? Yes. And so if you really liked a guy like Chase or Pitts, like you're going to get one of those two guys. Yep. Or let's say Pitts and Chase are gone from the Falcons. And, yeah. Or Slater. And, but. Yeah. And so – like you're going to get a good player there that you that you may have missed out on at 12. And so I think it's a brilliant move by Miami, who is, you know, they, they, they need to put it together at quarterback, but they're stacking up a really, really talented team. And, and the thing is, like, unless they were going to try and replace Tua, they were going to grab the same prospect at three probably. Mm-hmm. Again, like maybe not, because again, like the two teams, but like they're going to get one of the players that they were probably looking at at three, regardless if that's what they're doing. Um, yeah, the 49ers at, uh, what was it, a couple years ago when the 49ers tr- traded back just like one or two slots? It yep. was the Trubisky move, right? Yep. Yeah, the 49ers moved back. I think it was one slot. Um, it may have been two. But they you know, they got the guy they were going to get anyway, and um, the Bears came up and got Trubisky. And the, it was a similar thing with the Dolphins where I think it, at that level, like if you have a long runway to rebuild – it's almost better to get your quarterback right away and then stink into the next year with that, you know, while you let that quarterback grow, because then you get another top pick and can kind of dictate because you don't need a quarterback at that point. It's like the Bengals, right? You're, you have your quarterback of the future and you have a top five pick. And so you can kind of add some ammo for them, but you, you, you do have to kind of throw a year away to do that. Uh, so if, if Miami doesn't, like, let's say Miami sticks and takes either Sewell or Slater. And again, I do think that Najee Harris can't be ruled out. I know it seems really weird, but back in, I want to say it was in February, there was a lot of smoke about somebody in the top 10 was considering a running back. I just remember seeing that from somebody reliable. And again, like, I don't think it's like, I wouldn't do it, but there's an outside possibility that one of these teams might, because Atlanta could could use a running back, Miami, all that stuff. If but, it's anybody... I- how hilarious would it be to be the Lions after oh their coach and all the like, you know, cliche old school football talk, and then they go draft a running back in the top ten? I don't, I don't really care enough about the Lions, but it's, it would be funny to me. Until they, so, but until they signed Jamal Williams, that's what I thought was going to happen. Because, and I know they took DeAndre Swift, but like, again, what you just said, like they, that screams like. I'm old school. Screw the tape or screw the uh, screw the numbers, guys. Like running backs matter and all that stuff. But but yeah, um, because like, but assuming that no one trades up to Miami, 
I think I think Detroit's a wild card. Um, there there's been smoke that they could go quarterback. There's been smoke for a minute that they could go quarterback. I don't think that they're gonna go quarterback just because they're loading up. Like when they traded Matt Matt Slade uh, Matthew Stafford, what they did is they collected a bunch of picks from the Rams when they could have had the eighth overall pick, which would have given them enough ammo to move up and grab their guy in this draft. Like they could have done that in this draft. Granted, I think if the guy that they they like falls, maybe. But but I don't think that they're gonna go quarterback unless it's their guy, and I have no idea who that is. Um, barring that though, uh, judge like I've gone back and I looked at like all, like all the things Dan Campbell said. I don't know why I did this to myself, but I did. Um, I think they're going to take a culture guy. Like, I think they're going to take, you know, a quote unquote culture guy. So like, I don't think it's going to be an opt out. And I know this sounds again, the disclaimer, I say every episode, I don't blame any player for opting out during a pandemic. I know you don't either, but I know NFL teams. A lot of NFL teams look at opt-out players and they say, does he love football? And based on the things that Dan Campbell has said, I believe that the Lions are going to be one of those teams where they kind of avoid opt-out players, unless it's like a really, really big reason. Um, so like, I don't think that they're going to look at Sewer Slater. Um, and again, I, like, I could be wrong and I it, they could use a lineman, but I, I, I think that they're like an outside possibility. They could look at Sertan. I didn't think they could look at Horn. I think Micah Parsons makes sense. I know he's knocked out, so like maybe not. Um, but I think that they're they're going to be a team that's a true wild card, and that could really, really, really swing what happens to Denver. I was just looking to see if there was any overlap, and there's not. It was it was too um, late. But there's the Miami connection with Dan Campbell and Patrick Sertan Senior. Um, Sertan being the longtime corner, obviously for the Dolphins, and then Campbell coached for the Dolphins, but they didn't overlap. Um, but it was just a, that would be an interesting one. But yeah, I mean, I think I think a guy like Sertan makes sense for them, regardless. And and again, if the quarterback that they don't want falls, like let's say both Fields and Mac Jones fall, I think the Lions will trade. Um, again, like they look like they're like they didn't do anything in free agency. They let Kenny Galladay walk for nothing. They they let basically everyone go. They signed a bunch of like bottom of the barrel free agents that didn't impact their compensatory stuff. So like they're set to like trot out a dumpster fire this year again. So like if, if the opportunity to collect more ammo for next draft or down the road occurs, they'll probably take it. And if you're Denver and you're, well, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting slot for Denver because do you, if you really want a guy and he's there at seven, do you try to mitigate somebody else trading, like beat, beat somebody else on a trade up? Like, I think Denver's going to be sweating if if they're in the market for a quarterback and their guys on the board after all the kind of top flurry, they're probably going to be sweating that number seven pick. I know I'm going to be. Yeah. Yeah. You're right though. They are a wild card because they are such a dumpster fire currently from a roster standpoint is they could go anywhere. You know, they could, you could make a legitimate case for any of the guys that are going to be available. Or any of the moves, honestly, you know, trading back yep. as well. And they have a new GM. So, like, you you have no history to go off of to kind of try and figure this out. Like, I know Kentley Platt, and he's amazing. Like, if you if you guys don't follow Math Bomb on Twitter, go follow Math Bomb on Twitter. You'll thank me later. Um, but he actually went into Brad Holmes, like the Rams, like similar to what I did, where they, they he looked at what the Rams have done in terms of, like, how they've drafted. And it's, it's pretty unpredictable. Uh, so, here we, it brings us to Carolina, though. Carolina 
traded for Sam Darnold. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. They, there have been reports that they would still consider a quarterback. Do you think that they would go quarterback with Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater on the roster? No, I don't think so. Even if they get rid of Teddy Bridgewater, I think they're going to at least go like Sam Darnold. I mean, they didn't pay a ton for him, but they paid enough for him in terms of picks that – I can't see them going another quarterback this early. Well, the thing, the thing for me that like makes it hard for me to believe that they'd go quarterback. And again, like if they decided to turn around and trade Sam Darnold, they definitely could like now that they have acquired him, um, which on the off chance. And again, like I'm not making any sort of conclusion one way or the other with this. If Deshaun Watson becomes available later this summer, I could see Carolina suddenly turning around and trading Sam Darnold to Houston in hopes to get Deshaun Watson. Like if that clears up their way. I don't think they're going to draft a rookie though, because and again, we had Tim Jenkins on, you know, I think it's two months ago. Now we're talking about the fact that like Sam Darnold comes in, like he's going to need reps and he's, he's going to be a starter. Like he's, he's approaching this to be a starter. So making him a bridge where you have a young guy basically chomping at the bit to replace him, it'd be a really toxic atmosphere. It'd probably be really tough for either one of those players to get the best out of themselves in that scenario. And Darnold's not in a point in his career where he, he he's, he's in the same point as, if his career as Drew Locke is where he's not good enough at this point to be a bridge. He's not consistent enough to be a bridge. He's a guy that you're hoping on upside, like you're banking on upside. And so you've got to let it play out. Darnold to me is the move you make when you, the, the quarterback market looks too rich to get the guy you want, but you want to take a new guy and hope that you can fix him. Yeah. And I think that's what Carolina was shooting for. Yeah. Right. Uh, that that I think we can. I mean, they're they're the one. If you're if you're a quarterback, you know, if you're um, wanting a quarterback for Denver, I think the two safest slots are going to be five and eight, probably. Yeah. The the Pretty one easy. the one thing that makes me nervous with eight is the trade down possibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. but uh, I don't. I don't think like again like a team might trade to eight just because they might want to jump Denver, but I think if they're going to do that, they can offer they could easily offer with Detroit, who will probably take a pit. Like I feel like you'd be able to get a better deal with Detroit. Again, this is just feel, but I feel like you'd be able to get a better deal with Detroit than you with you will with Carolina or Miami. And if you're Carolina, I think like from their perspective, like they're in a spot to still get a really good player. At yes, eight. and I don't know that there's a ton of motivation unless you obviously you get a haul right. But like for them to trade back, if it's somebody that's coming up from like the teens or even or like the twenties, obviously you would need the compensation to match. But that's a that's a long way down where you're missing out on like to me the the meat of this first round is going to be in that top probably ten to twelve is the sweet spot, and there it's like there's going to be a lot of maybe surprise picks or it gets a little fuzzy. Like it's more of who do you value as a franchise? But there's, you know, so you're, you're, if you're Carolina, you're opting out of that slot. 
because Dallas isn't coming up. You know, New York's not coming up. Philly traded back. And so you start looking down the draft. There's not anybody that's in that early team range that would be coming up. So you're, you're jumping down a, a good ways if you're the Panthers and you're moving backwards. And that's, and that's where I was looking I, I wrote, I've been working on a power rankings post, like a pre-draft power rankings post. And I also looked at like every team's needs that'll, they'll come out later. Like I'm still putting it all together. But like the thing with Carolina is even though Carolina drafted all defense, like last year, their defense was garbage. Like they, they need defensive help at the same time. There was like, now that they have Darnold on the roster, like the things that really stand out to me as big needs on their offense is their offensive line, uh, they have Taylor Moten. He's a franchise player. Their left tackle is Greg Little, who is pretty bad. Um, they could definitely use a tackle. So, like, they, to me, look like – like, if Sewer Slater are there, that looks like a pretty logical pick. Um, also, if Kyle Pitts somehow falls to eight, this looks like the floor to me. Um, yeah. Their tight end situation is pretty rough. Uh, Joe Brady could probably use a guy like Kyle Pitts if he can get him. Um, so, like, those, those kind of things make sense to me. And, like – I don't think Carolina, like Carolina's front office is essentially run through Matt rule. Like it's a coaching front office. And like, and again, this is like just my own belief, but like generally when a coach has that kind of personnel decision-making, they tend to overvalue positions that don't necessarily have like long-term value in the same way. Like coaches in personnel decisions tend to take running backs. They tend to take linebackers. They tend to take tight ends, stuff like that. So like, I don't think they're going to trade back and then, and then kind of like delay the gratification there um, again, on a, one of those top tier players that fits really well into a need and can impact right away. Yeah. Cause I mean, and again, Matt rule has job security, but the thing is like he's entering year two of a rebuilding plan. His roster still looks really rough. So again, you could, I could, I could convince myself that they trade back, but I think he's going to be the guy that wants an impact player that kind of helps him right away to kind of set the, uh, like the media and everybody kind of like, Hey, he actually knows what he's doing. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, if they do trade back, this is a really prime spot for New England to jump Denver. Um, the Bears, Washington, and the Saints also all make sense. I think the Saints less so just because I think the Saints are going to wait it out this year. But the Bears and Washington both do make sense as trade-up teams. Um, if Carolina wants to move all the way back into the nineteen twenty range. Where, if you're Denver, I mean, at that point, it's probably not a bad thing if people are assuming that you would take a quarterback and needing to jump you because then it's just pushing talent further down to you, yeah. which takes us to, and I know we're like, we'll, we'll just maybe tease at the end of the, cause we're coming to the end of the show, but um, now we're at Denver's pick, right? So yeah. <laughs> need to talk those um, scenarios of who potentially is available. And again, like based on all the conversations that we've been having over the last couple minutes, and I feel really confident in, there being a really good player there for Denver. Um, I, I'm interested to hear your kind of best case scenario. Okay. Um, so my best case scenario, and we can talk more of this like when it gets right down to the draft too, okay. but my best case scenario is you have your choice of those two top tackles just based on who's available right now in that top 10. And like if it was, if Denver hadn't taken Jerry Judy last year, I'd be looking at the receivers or the pass catchers, but to me, those top two tackles really um, set you up because that's where I was last year. Was we were hoping Denver would take a, a guy to replace Juwan James, and they didn't. And so if that's probably the closest place to a like big need for Denver based on 
Juwan James's health, and then also you don't know what he's going to do. You're probably not going to keep him after this year. And so this is a prime spot where you can take a guy. You don't have to play him. Like, it's almost a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got two really good players. I mean, Slater has played both right and left tackle. I mean, I love Penny Sewell. I didn't think he would ever be there at nine. Not I'm through the process. I still would be surprised if he's there at nine. But, I mean, to me, that's the best-case scenario, right, is either both those two tackles are there or at least one of them is available, and I'm taking one of those guys if, if I'm Denver. For, for me, the best case, and I, and I would say that is the, the locked-in best case is how I would explain what you just said. Uh, because, again, like the fact that the Broncos didn't really do anything to address depth behind Jawan James, to me, does seem to point to the fact that they plan on drafting a guy somewhere. Um, for, for those listening, like this tackle class from like, is kind of ridiculous. So like yeah, a tackle class, you could get a guy in the second round where Denver sits right now. Yeah. That said, like, obviously if you have Sewell, like that's tempting, like Sewell, Sewell's pretty damn good. Uh, I would say for me, best case scenario, like everything, Justin Fields is there. Um, and this is why I wanted to talk about Justin Fields just a little bit based just on the film. I cannot believe that Justin Fields is going to be there at nine. Like, it's just it, like there, there are questions about like how quickly he moves from his progressions. But at the same time, like those same things you can say about Mac Jones. Like, I know that's hard to believe, but like Mac Jones does a lot of the same stuff that people are critiquing Justin Fields for, but we're stuck on critiquing Justin Fields for it. So like, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Justin Fields or hate on Mac Jones. It's just realistically like, the kind of things that we're really hammering Justin Fields for are things that like Trey Lance has questions about it. Trevor Lawrence has questions about it. Like, like how quickly a, a college passer moves off his progressions has been a question mark for almost every passer to come out since like Andrew Luck. Like that's one of the things that made Andrew Luck so special is how quickly he made through progressions. Uh, so Justin Fields for me, but the, the, the thing that like makes it possible in my mind that he could fall to nine is the fact that there's so much talk about like all the things that are wrong with it. Um, it's almost like either a, someone's throwing out a lot of smoke to try and push him down or there's something going on in the league that we just haven't been privy to. And it's entirely possible. Um, like, I mean, there's surprise guys that fall every year and we have no idea how they fall. And then you find out after the draft, like Chauncey Gardner Johnson comes to my mind from a couple of years ago. Remember he had a bad interview and it spooked all the teams and he fell to the fourth round. Like if Justin Fields, if anything like that happened and he falls to nine, like that's probably a part of it. Um, again, I don't, I don't think like I haven't heard anything. I don't know of anything, but that's the one possibility. But yeah, if he's there at nine, I hope that he's the guy because I think Justin Fields and the Broncos offense would be insane. I think he would definitely bring a lot more excitement than any, probably than any of the other prospects and a lot more like potential to, jump in and, you know, have a really good, I think he could potentially be the guy. What worries me is honestly his fit with Pat Shermer. Yeah. With probably just as much an indictment on Pat Shermer as it is on Justin Fields. Just Maybe. because I, I don't know how much Shermer would adapt to him. Right. And I'm not saying like Shermer's a good, I think Shermer's a good coach, but I don't know how much he would adapt to him. Um, I do like Shula though. And I think, you know, Shula's the guy that's going to be work would be working the most with him, and so I think the the fit potentially is is good there. And um, the other thing I'll say about Fields as well is there's been some talk 
about, oh, he came from Ohio State and, you know, the offense that they run and all of that kind of stuff. And then obviously Dwayne Haskins kind of goes into the league and just it's fizzles. But when you look at the tape and you look at the numbers from a like analytics standpoint, they, they couldn't be different, like more different players, even though they played in a potentially similar offense, they played for the same school. Um, Justin Fields, like, and I'm going to get the exact numbers wrong, but Dwayne Haskins, his um, air yards were like under 40, they were under 50%. I think they're like 47% or something. Uh, and it was very much screen game, very much predefined stuff. And it was a lot of after the catch with all the talent that they had. And you look at a guy like Justin Fields, and I think it's in the 60s or 70s in terms of his air yards and what he does in that offense. And so, I mean, just, and that's just one little sliver of it, but they're, you know, you can play for the same school and potentially even in the same, you know, not too far off and you're completely different players. And a lot of people end up kind of lumping those together. And so that's the one thing I'll say about fields is he's a different player than a Dwayne Haskins. And the fact that he comes out of Ohio state's offense, like it doesn't bother me necessarily. I think it's interesting that we do this with Ohio state, but we don't compare Trey Lance to Carson Wentz or Easton stick because they are, they played in the exact same offense. Like Notre, yeah. like North Dakota State has not changed their offense, like through that time, and we don't we don't like hammer Trey Lance for the same thing. So it's like some of the and again, I'm not trying to be in this. Like, I, it's interesting to me from like a logical like how it's being covered standpoint that we're sticking to all these narratives with Fields, and that's what like the fact that it all came up right after the Niners traded up to three. To me, it's like it doesn't seem like a coincidence, um, and I just wonder like why it's happening, but we'll see. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot really quick. What's your worst case scenario? Like in terms of pick, I think worst case scenario is a guy like Mac Jones is available. Somebody that I, you know, I'm not comfortable with them picking at nine and, um, you know, you can't find a trade partner to trade back. Um, and so you, you end up just having to go with somebody that's less than stellar and you push more talent down for somebody else. Yep. Um, or the other one would probably be, you know, the tackles are gone, the quarterbacks are gone, and you've got a great player sitting there at wide receiver, and you have to make a really tough decision, right? And so it, that one's kind of an interesting one because it's it's not necessarily like it's not a bad thing for Denver, but you've got a blue chip guy sitting in your sitting there, you know, at nine, and you're potentially having to pass him up because you already have filled those slots with a, with KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy. But at that point, you could probably trade back. And so, you know, I don't know that that's, that's the worst thing for Denver to trade back and get some additional capital if somebody wants to come up. But at that, but like Denver, aside from quarterback, they've kind of, you know, everybody knows what they would do. And so I don't know that somebody would really want to maybe come up that much for Denver because they're not worried about Denver picking the receivers. Yeah. Dallas isn't going to pick a receiver. Um, and so, you know, it's a it's kind of a tough spot. I don't know that you could attract a lot of people up to to spend a lot of money potentially or a lot of capital will come up. So that may be – I think that's probably the worst case is like you're sitting there at nine with a guy that you don't necessarily want to pick at nine and there's no trade back partners. And so then you have to kind of just reach down a little bit further into your pool or down on your board. And so – and uh, Nick Kendall from Mile High Huddle actually went through a scenario where that kind of happened, where all the quarterbacks went, the two tackles went, and Kyle Pitts went. And he was stuck where you weren't allowed to trade. Like, he wasn't allowed to trade. And he asked. He was like, who would I take? 
he took Jalen Phillips. Um, if you feel comfortable with Jalen Phillips medical stuff, I can understand why you would make that pick. I don't like it just because a, the medical stuff and I, I'm never going to have, you know, the peace of mind of knowing it, but also the fact that taking an edge player at nine puts a timetable on when you're getting rid of Von Miller. And if Von Miller comes back and looks elite, I hope they don't get rid of him. Um, to me, the absolute worst case scenario, and I, I know a lot of people are going to be surprised by this because I have been kind of critical of Micah Parsons, but worst case pr- scenario for me is taking a running back at nine. Like it's so, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but, but, <laughs> but I just, but I just got to say it because like the Vikings took Adrian Peterson at seven and I got like, again, Adrian Peterson's going to be in the hall of fame. So like I won the level, I get it. But at the same time, like taking a running back that high is just stupid. It's such a bad use of resources and it's, it's the kind of thing like running backs typically enter the league and they're immediate players, especially if they're drafted high. Denver already has Melvin Gordon. So the only reason you're taking a running back high is because you're trying to get cheap and get rid of Melvin Gordon. If if the Broncos pick a running back at nine. And I'm going to lose my mind. Who it is, right? Like Najee Harris is talented. But if they pick it at nine, I will start that campaign that day to run George Payton out of town. And I don't even care. He seems like a nice guy. But if you <laughs> pick a running back at nine as your first move, you know, in the draft as a GM in this in today's NFL, I don't want you on my team. That's ridiculous. But I, just, I question your I, judgment. Doesn't happen. Yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, and I got I want to touch on this before I let you go because, like, again, like I just I have been very very critical of Micah Parsons. I was on another podcast. And I kind of talked about it. Um, the allegations against him are pretty substantial. Granted. Uh, and I'm not going to go too far into it just because like you can look them up. They're on Google. It's not hard. Uh, but the big thing with it to me is NFL teams will be able to vet that in a way that I can't. I am able to see what they are and they make me pretty cringe. Like it feels pretty cringy reading some of this stuff. If an NFL team feels comfortable with that, that's, I have problems with taking a linebacker that high also. And then with the allegations on top of that, it makes it really tough for me. Um, that said, like Micah Parsons tape, like he is pretty darn good at blitzing. Like you could use him as a pressure package weapon. So I get it. I just hope they don't do it. Yeah. I think the value there is an interesting one. Like aside from the off field stuff, right. The, the yeah. value is an interesting one. I mean, I think you look at what big Fangio did with Roquan Smith, who was taken, he was number five overall, if I'm not mistaken, no six, because Denver was five, um, that year. Roquan was number six and um, you know, he was excellent in Vic Fangio's defense. So, but I don't know that Micah Parsons is that type of guy. Um, you know, he's, he's not, um, I don't want to say he's at the same level as Roquan Smith. There's different types of players. So I, I don't know that um, Parsons is the guy that, I mean, I'd be okay with him at nine. If it wasn't for the character stuff. And, and I say that loosely being like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to let the NFL teams make those um, calls. And so I'm not going to comment on them, but, but like, I do think it, that's another piece to the puzzle that is enough along with the value of the picket nine that it's like, I, you know, that's probably one that I would, I'd go somewhere else. But yeah. Uh, and, and again, like I'm, I'm with you. Like, again, I can talk myself into it. If you watch Michael Parsons tape, he is pretty good. His Memphis tape is very good. So if you get a chance, go, go watch his Memphis tape. Um, I just, again, I just have questions about it and I just think there's better ways to do it. Um, I think if all the quarterbacks are there or like if all the quarterbacks go and the tackles go and Kyle Pitts is gone, 
my preference would be Patrick Sertan. I know the cornerback's not. Like, I like Sertan. I like Sertan a lot, and I and I don't necessarily love the fit. I think he fits okay. Um, I do think he's not like necessarily the best at playing off coverage, but I think he's good enough. And I also think Fangio would adjust to play to his strengths. It's, and at the end of the day, you look at the Broncos cornerback class or cornerback group right now. In a year, they're going to probably have needs at three cornerback spots. So, or two quarterback spots for sure. And, and that's what's interesting with where Denver's at right now at corner, because you take a guy like Sertan and it's like, well, where does he play? You know, you've got Callahan, you've got Fuller now, and Darby, who you just signed. But, I mean, if Denver's in more dime and nickel, you can't, you know, you, you don't can't, can't necessarily count on Bryce Callahan's health. And maybe you run more dime packages and keep four, four corners on the field. I could see Sertan, even if all the other guys play healthy and play like we think they could, you could still see him getting 40, 50% of the snaps in his first year, which isn't a bad thing, I think, you, as you ease him into the NFL. And so it is kind of a goofy deal based on Denver doesn't necessarily have a needed corner right now. But to your point, next year they really will, depending on where things go and, and they it shakes out. So it wouldn't hurt to have a, a top-tier cornerback in, in the fold. Exactly. Uh, let us know. Let us know who you guys would take, because I'm I'm curious. So I want to get your thoughts. Maybe let's do, let's do it next podcast. I want to hear about your thoughts on the pass rushers, because that's something that's you know it's kind of a it's an interesting. Um, there's a couple guys you know that I don't know that they're right for Denver, but it, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Maybe let's talk that before the draft. Definitely.